0: number five this morning. But before we begin, I would like you to take your blue Heavenly Highway hymn songbook and turn to 293. 293. So we'll be in Mark's gospel chapter number five. And then we'll begin there. But let's look at Let's look at Heavenly Highways Hymns, page number 293. Everybody there? Let's all sing it. No piano. No. Let's just, let's all sing this song together. Now, I'm not a good song leader, so I'm going to need your help, okay? But let's worship the Lord, okay?
1: Let's all sing it together. Ready? More about Jesus would I know, more of his grace to others show. More of His saving fullness see. More of His love who died for me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of His saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God my teacher be. Showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness, seem. more of his love who died for me. More about Jesus in his word. Holding communion with my Lord, Hearing His voice in every line, Making each faithful saying mine, More, more about Jesus, More, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus on his throne. Riches in glory all his own. More of his kingdom sure increase, more of his coming Prince of Peace. More, more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness More of his love who died for me. Amen.
0: Mark's Gospel chapter number 5 this morning. Mark's Gospel chapter number 5. I was in preparation this week. I was in preparation this week for uh, the services as Brother Bell said that he was going to be taking a week of vacation. And I'd already had uh, prepared uh, some things, and he asked me if uh, before he asked me before the services were over if I would preach my Damascus Road experience. Now, and I told him, I said, "Brother, I did not have a Damascus Road experience, but I can preach something that I believe that we all can relate to." I cannot. We all can relate to something. Now, everyone in their salvation experience can relate to somebody that's found in this Bible, okay, if you're saved. Some of you in your salvation experience might be like the prodigal son, in that you had a good family heritage, and uh, you had a good family, and you were raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and... Uh, When your sinful nature took over, you left the Father's house and by His grace and mercy were you drawn back to the Father and reconciliation and restoration in the Father's house. Some of you might be able to relate to the prodigal son. Some of you may be able to relate to the woman at the well in that your experience in life before coming to know the Lord, maybe you have tried all the things that life had to offer relationships and things in life that that the world has to offer. You, you tried all that, you, you tried it, but it, it, but it didn't satisfy. It didn't it didn't offer a longing satisfaction that only Jesus Christ can give. Some of us uh, could be in the room right now. There could be a Saul of Tarsus sitting under the sound of my voice right now. That you are still dead in trespasses and sins. Perhaps you 're binded by religion, and you think persecuting the saints of God is the right thing to do. There could be a saw here this morning don't think that don't think within yourself that that is not possible okay What about Zacchaeus Zacchaeus he was a small man, and he desired to see the Lord, but he didn't have The Lord and know him personally, but when he climbed up up in that sycamore tree... Now, God might not require you to climb up in a sycamore tree, but Zacchaeus was a man of small stature, and he wanted to see the Lord. Maybe you wanted to see the Lord today, and you really came with a desire to see Him, but He has not yet illuminated you to the truth of His Word yet. What I'm saying, in our salvation experience, there's somebody that we all can relate to in the Bible... Now, in Mark's gospel, chapter number 5, that is who I can relate to. And I don't read Mark's gospel and say, well, they're a Saul and I'm a Mark. You see what I'm saying? I, I don't read the gospel like that. I don't read it and say, well, you're a one you're at the well and I'm a Gadarene demoniac. So, you see what I'm saying? I'm saying, let's, let's, let's be humble to this morning. Let's receive the word this morning, okay? And this is, this is my salvation experience. Who are you this morning as you sit here in this church service? Are you a Saul? Now, I know your name. I know your name, and you understand what I'm saying figuratively? Are you a Lydia? Has your heart yet to be opened yet? Amen. Are you like Saul where you're bound in religion, and you think you're doing as you're doing right as you can? You're, you're trying to do the best that you can, but the best is not good enough. Who are you this morning as you sit here in this service? Are you, at the, are you the woman at the well? Who are you this morning? Internally, as I deliver this message, I would like you to self-reflect, okay? I'd ask you to humbly do that, to self-reflect of who you can relate to in this Bible. I can relate to this man in Mark chapter number 5. Let's read the text, and then I'll get into the message, okay? All right. Mark's gospel, chapter number 5, looking at verse number 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had often been bound, he had been been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And he asked him, "'What is thy name?' And he answered, saying, "'My name is Legion, for we are many.' And he besought him that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, verse 12, so that all the devils besought him, saying, "'Send us into the swine, that we may enter in them.' Forthwith Jesus gave them leave." And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran down violently down a steep place into a sea. And there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the, and they that fed the swine fled and told in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what, had, what was done. Verse 15. This is, this is where I want to look at right here, okay? All right, verse fifteen, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had a legion sitting in sitting and clothed in his right mind, and were sore afraid because and were sore afraid. Verse sixteen, and that how and they that saw it told them how it befell them. To it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed, had been possessed. Right there, key. He had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. Verse number 19: Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and that hath compassion on thee. Amen. And departed and began to publish in capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him, And all men did marvel. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the wonderful day, the blessings of your holy word. Let us not take the service for granted. Lord, as feeble as I am, Lord, thou knowest I am a feeble man. But, well, Lord, I know that though my feebleness is much, there are people that are here today that are in need of your grace. I pray that uh, my weaknesses, you would use me in spite of my weaknesses. Help me, Lord, to deliver your word. Or I, I am like Solomon, for I am but a little child. And I pray that you'd help me, that the word of God would illuminate the hearts to the people that are here today, that they might receive something, not that the powers in my servant. But the power is in you, my Lord, for you are the one that died, and your blood cleanseth. Your blood has satisfied the Father. And I thank you for your blessing and your grace. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read here about this gathering. And before I started the message, I wanted to equate each and every one of us to somebody That was in the Bible. And I want to take a few minutes this morning. I hope you're not in a hurry to leave. But I want to take a few minutes this morning to preach on this thought, and that is the day this Gadarene got delivered. I want to preach this thought the day this Gadarene got delivered. In verse number 1, as we look back into our text, it says, and they came over, that is Jesus and his disciples, came over into the other side of the sea right here into the country of the Gadarenes. So the first thing that I see really as it relates to this man, this man that Jesus had truly cleansed. Jesus had truly done a work in this person's life. And that was evidently manifested forth, and those later on in our text could see that work that had been done in his life. But this Gadarene, he was in the country... ...of the Gadarenes. Now the culture of that day... ...and the culture of Gadara... ...was full of wickedness. It was full of idolatry. It was full of fornication... ...perversion, adultery... ...demon possession, drug use... ...and drunkenness. Now that was the culture of that day. Now we not much is said... ...about this Gadarene. There is very little said about him until the time when he meets Jesus. We don't really hear about his child raising or his upbringing or the things that that got to this point of where they are today. I'm talking about in our text. Because we just meet this Gadarene. We just meet this Gadarene and we just see that he's in the midst of a perverse culture surrounded in the cities of Decapolis much like how our culture in America is today. And this Gadarene, we don't necessarily hear too much about how he was brought up as a child. Now, we all understand here that this man did not just wake up one day and end up in the tombs. There was a process and time in which he ended up there as a result of his own decisions, by the way. And though he was in the midst of this culture, this ungodly culture, full of wickedness and ungodliness and fornication, perversion, adultery demon possession, drug use, and even drunkenness, he had no one to blame but himself. He could not blame the society or his upbringing uh, or his circumstances or who his parents were. He he could not blame anyone but himself. As a result of his own choosing, he ended up here where we're going to continue on reading. So he was in the country of the Gadarenes. Now, as I said a minute ago, that we never really heard about his child raising. Perhaps he grew up in a single-parent household. We talked about fornication a minute ago, and perhaps this Gadarene grew up in a, a, a single-parent household where mom, he, he didn't necessarily have a bad mom, per se. Uh, he didn't have a bad mom, but she, she was still fall into depravity, so she did the best that she could with what she had. Now, dad wasn't there. Dad wasn't there. Now I'm, say, I'm saying possibly, who knows? Who knows if dad was there in the life of this Gadarene? I'm just saying as a presupposition this could be the case. So maybe dad wasn't there to help this Gadarene. Maybe he grew up in a life where mom was the only one that was there as a result of perhaps fornication. And I want to tell every young person that is sitting here today, it doesn't matter if you're 3 or if you're 17, the sin of fornication will ruin your life it will have long-lasting consequences in your life that will destroy it for many years to come. Who knows if this Gadarene grew up in a separated home? Who knows if this Gadarene ended up in a place as a result of a lack of parental authority in his life? Who knows? He didn't just get here on his own. He didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'll go to the tombs today. But there was a process in time in which this took place. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is older, he will not depart from it. Well, maybe this Gadarene didn't have training in the Lord. Matter of fact, I know he didn't because he was from the country of Gadara. He was an alien. He was a stranger. He was an alien from the covenants of God. Ephesians chapter number 2. So what I'm saying is he was living in the midst of a perverted and a wicked culture. Much like the culture that we live in today. But as we keep on going down, I want to keep, I'm going somewhere with this, but I want to keep on going. Look in verse number 2. So he's living in the midst of a wicked culture. And as a result of his wicked culture, we see what happens to him. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So not only was he in the country of Gadara, but he had an unclean spirit and his dwelling was among the tombs. So he abode in a place where the dead abode, abide. He went to where uh, the drug culture goes, the drug dens. Uh, he went to the neighborhoods. He went to areas in life that most people hadn't went to. And so this, he's dwelling among the tombs is what I'm saying. There's a lot of places you've been too that other people can't relate, huh? Amen. That's exactly right. Other people don't know what it's like, do they? They don't know what it's like to be bound with chains and with fetters. They don't know what it's like to be held under the bondage of sin. Now, everybody's depraved in Adam, don't get me wrong. But I'm saying that this man was, he, he was under bondage. Everybody's bound in sin, but not everybody's possessed with legion. Okay? So, what I'm saying is, he had an unclean spirit and his dwelling was among the tomb. He was dead in trespasses and sins. And I want to say to you here today that are not born again, that if you're not saved by God's grace, you, like this gathering are dwelling in the tombs. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2, verse number 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so a quickening has to take place in your life before you receive the gift of God. And as you receive the gift of God, God quickens you and makes you alive. That's what quickening means. It means to be made alive. And this Gadarene was dwelling in the tombs with an unclean spirit. This is very, very important. So as we see here in our text in verse number 2, that when immediately out of the ship, that is Jesus and his disciples, there met him a man of the tombs, the unclean spirit. Verse number 3, but he had his, he had his dwelling among the tombs. So his dwelling, he had been in the tomb of ungodly music. Now understand, just because it wasn't a society like it is today, that they did not have ungodly, wicked music, drunkenness, or drug use. The Roman culture most certainly did. The Roman culture had drug use, they had drunkenness, and they had ungodly music. Cultural studies would do you good sometime, and you'd understand the relevance of how they are applied to our day. The Roman culture was an ungodly, perverse culture. They had ungodly music. This man had been in the tomb of ungodly music. In this wicked society that he lived in, maybe perhaps as a lack of parental authority over him in his life, he turned to something perhaps that, that might seem sort of uh, culturally relevant to that day. So he looked to other things and sources of guidance in life that he might, maybe he didn't have. So maybe he turned to the tombs of ungodly music. Maybe it started off with just one little rap song. Look up here. Listen here real good. Maybe it starts with one little bitty rap song. It only starts off with one little sin. It only starts off with one thing that no one else knows about except me. That's how it always starts. You don't end up in the tomb. There's a process by which you end up there. You don't go there by your... You Just one day you wake up in the tomb, but there's a process in time. This is very important. He had been influenced by the culture of ungodly music in society. And I want to say this, that rap music is straight up ungodly. Amen. Country music is too. That sure is right. Because it, what it does is it influences the man to, to pattern their life after that lifestyle. It teaches the man who has never had a father to go and commit fornication. It teaches the man who has not had a father to go over here to this tomb. And then when you get done with this tomb, you just throw it away. And then you go over here to this tomb, and once you're done with this tomb, this tomb really don't matter, so I just throw this tomb away. And I'm bouncing back from tomb to tomb to tomb. He had been in the tomb of ungodly music. Now remember, this man, he was growing up in the culture of the Gadarenes. And it was an ungodly, wicked, perverse culture. That is the culture that you and I are growing up in today. He had been the tomb of demon possession. When you use substances, I'm going to try to keep it as clean as I can. I'm going to try to keep it as clean as I can, okay? Hopefully the Holy Ghost will bring to your mind whatever it is that I'm talking about. But if he had had opened himself up to demon possession, our society saying that it is okay... If society says it's okay, we'll open up a bunch of stores, you'll get this little card, and it'll be okay, because society, says, society said the demon possession, it was all right. Ungodly music was okay. Hey, it didn't matter. The Gadarene could cut himself all day long as long as he just stayed over there. We don't really care. So what I'm saying is, when you do, the, the, this man had opened himself up unto demonic possession, he was influenced by another spirit. Okay? He had been in the tomb of demon possession. He had been in the tomb of fornication. He had enjoyed things. The Bible says marriage is honorable and bed and but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Every sin that a man doeth, he committeth without, without his body. But he that committeth fornication sin against his own body. First Thessalonians says, This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. It tells all believers that they should abstain from that sort of lifestyle. Listen to me, I'm telling you what, look, you, if you're young and you're here today, that's how it starts. It just starts off as a little bit. Daddy, daddy puts that, 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 uh, uh, that, that uh, protection around you. He tries to shield you for as long as he possibly can. He tries to protect you from the world. He tries to protect you from the influence of the world. But sooner or later, you'll be like the prodigal son and your sinful nature will take over and you'll be far away from the father's house. And that's how this Gadarene was. He had been influenced from the people of that day. He had been in the tombs of fornication. Not only that, he had been in the tombs of adultery. the Bible, he was a lawbreaker. I'll get into that later on as it pertains to cutting himself. He had been involved in all these ungodly wicked sins. This Gadarene here in our text had been involved in all that. I want you to look at verse number 5. No man can bind him. Verse number 3, no not with chains. We keep on going down here. Because that, he had been often bound with fetters and chains. He could not deliver himself from sin's bondage. He had been awfully bound. He was rebound by the chains of self-motivation. People thought, well, if we could just help him do better. If we could just, if we could just turn him in the right direction. If we could just offer him this program. There are some people here that are not here today that need to be hearing exactly what I'm saying. Maybe we can offer them another way, a way of self-motivation, right? Just just try to clean up your life and do as good as you can. Maybe if you stop cutting yourself so much, maybe uh, uh, someone can help you. Or maybe if you stop doing this, but every time he tried to do better, see, there was something in him that he wanted to do better, he wanted to do better, but there was something in him that was pulling him to sin. He wanted to be a good husband. He wanted to be a good father, but there was something in him that was, that was pulling him to sin, and that was his sinful nature. The dear brother talked about it a minute ago, and I, I wanted to say something, but I didn't. But he talk, I, I thought about the law of sin and death. See, the law of God is the holy law of God that you and I as sinners cannot fulfill in ourselves. And what happens is why we cannot fulfill that is because of our fallen nature, which Paul calls in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 2, the law of sin and death. Amen. The law of sin and death, has, the, the, the law of the spirit of life and salvation that is in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. So I am made free in Christ. But this Gadarene demoniac had not met Christ yet. Now he didn't know that he was going to meet Jesus several uh, few moments down the road. He did not know that. If he knew he would have met Jesus years later or down the road, he probably wouldn't have cut himself so much. If he knew that he was going to meet Jesus later on down the road, he probably would have tried to live a more holy, clean, and moral life. If he knew that he was going to meet Jesus, he probably would have made better preparations instead of getting himself in a deep pit that he's now, to this day, trying to scratch and climb himself out of. I'm serious. I'm serious. This gathering demoniac, listen, and this is who I can appeal to the people that are here today that are young. You need to be hearing what I'm saying. That this society and this culture, those people that you think are your friends, when they're done with you, they'll throw you away. It was all fun and games until that prodigal son ran out of money. And then after that, they used the prodigal for what they wanted. And then after that, they tossed him away. What did it say? It said, no man would give unto him. So when I got what I was done with the prodigal, I was done with it, right? It didn't matter because I got what I wanted. Do we understand what I'm saying here today? I'm appealing to the youth that are sitting here in this church this morning that society and this world's culture will use you and then they will throw you away. And the people that really love you and that are doing something for you and praying for you and caring for you, you spit on. Amen. That is exactly right. That's how the prodigal son was. I don't care what they're doing down there at the father's house. I don't care that the father's good to me. See, this demoniac was like that. He was in in this town. The people knew the demoniac. He was real popular in his culture in that day. Everybody knew who the demoniac was. The demoniac was going to be something later on in life. But thank God that God intervened. He could not deliver himself. Law Center, if you're here today, it doesn't matter what you try to do with self motivation. Listen, please, don't, 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 don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not trying to point my finger at you and say, Well, look at you. I'm saying, look at us. Look at who we are in Adam. Listen, I'm not being judgmental. Sometimes people need them to look at them and say, hey, you're straight up ungodly. You're wicked. And you need a savior. You need the one who died for you on Calvary. And unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But this Gadarene demoniac had experienced the, the chains of self-motivation. He was going to do it himself. and he wasn't a bad guy. He really wasn't. He, was just, he had just a lot of problems. So he was bound by the chains of self-motivation. And so after back in our text, it says in verse number 4, because he had been often bound. So it was a continual binding. So it was a process. The first time, listen, there's restraint on you as a child from the parental authority that is given to you in your life. And at first, it's real hard for you to break those chains, isn't it? Because daddy's got his foot on you. And daddy's only going to let you go so far. You see what I'm saying? He's only going to let you go so far. He's only going to let you do so much. But once you break those chains, you become stronger due to the resistance of breaking them. So this man had broken these chains over and over and over. He had often been bound and then he had broken them over and over. What I'm saying is he's gradually getting worse in his life and there's nobody that can help him. He is continually going on a downward path Ruining his body, he's marking his body up, he's destroying himself, he's going, he's getting worse and worse and worse. And if you don't get born again, you'll get worse too. So here he is, he's bound by the chains of self motivation, and all of that. I see, whenever I was thinking about just in relation to this demoniac right here, he was bound by the he was rebound by the chains of incarceration and he had, he had tried to do it better on his own, but then after he couldn't do it better on his own, and his moral decline continued to fall, then society had to put chains on him and bind him. And what I'm saying is, is it doesn't matter, you can lock men up all day long, you can put them in prison, prison doesn't offer a solution. Jesus said, or not Jesus said, but, but the law of Moses said, if they sin in a certain area, you're just supposed to put them to death and that would just stop a lot of crime that's taking place in our society today. If our society obeyed God's laws and the consequences thereof for sin, our society would not not be so corrupted as it is today. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but it's true. If somebody defiles a child, and then they're made a public example in society, and they say, this is what's going to happen if you defile children, we're going to cut your head off. You think a lot of people would continuously be defiling children today? What I'm saying is, I'm talking about he was bound by the chains of incarceration. Jail does not help. Now, it mitigates the problem. It stops, it provides a temporary solution. There's somebody today that is not here, that should be here, that I have witnessed to over and over, and you have too. And you have told them over and over and over, this is what's going to happen if you don't stop. And they'll swear to you this day that they're born again. There is something wrong with that. There is something wrong with someone. And I, we, we had a call, I'm talking about the chain. He was rebound by the change of self motivation in his life. His life is continuing to get worse. I know a friend of mine who used to be a friend of mine who's fixing to go do a prison sentence. He's fixing to be with the big timers now, not just with the people that he can try to manipulate. People from the culture can't get manipulated like that because they know what it's like. That's just a big old facade. People, people from the culture, can't from, the, from Gadara, can't get manipulated like that because they see the facade in that. They see the show in that. I've been from the Gadara. I know what that's like. I'm not deceived by a man's outer countenance trying to be something that he's not. Amen. So, what am I saying? He was rebound by the chains of incarceration. It's a process. Sin is a process of time on a continual slope that goes down. And I want us to understand that as we continue going on. But I want to stay with the text because the power is in God's word. But he could not deliver himself from sin's bondage. As we keep going down. Verse number 4, And the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. So he was uncontrollable. But it didn't start out this way. He might have started out as a sweet little innocent kid. Maybe his mom uh, did the best of what she could and put him in a Christian school for the first two years of his public education. Maybe that'll work. If I put him in a Christian school for the first two years, maybe that'll work. Maybe as a little child, if he's in a Christian school, surely the surroundings will be helpful to him, but they didn't help him. They didn't help him. Who knows? I'm talking about presuppositions about this man. Who knows? Who knows what this man might have endured in his life? Who knows what he went through? Maybe he don't talk about what he went through, or what he did, or what life was like, or the tragedies of life. Uh, It's just so much that I can't just take it Life is just so hard that I'm scarred for the rest of my life because of sin. Maybe he wasn't like that. Amen. Because his power and his strength was in Jesus Christ. And we'll get into that later here in a minute. But he was bound over and over again. Neither could any man tame him. He was like the woman with the issue of blood for twelve years. He's, he's bound, y'all continually bound. He goes and does one sentence and when he's done with that sentence, he goes straight back out again and he does the same thing that he did before. And then the judge sentences him another sentence and then he goes back to the pen again and does the same another sentence. What I'm saying is, is society's restraints could not tame him. He had, been, he had been there. And what I'm saying, he kept continually going back. He was like the one with the issue of blood. Mark chapter number six or chapter number five. You don't have to turn there if you have a Cambridge Bible. Just look over in verse number 26. It says, And she had suffered many things of many physicians, and when she had spent all she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. So this woman continuously grew, or this woman, yeah, continuously grew worse. She had paid a lot of money. Many physicians, she tried to be healed of her uncleanness which is a picture of works for salvation. This woman was unclean by the just demands of the law because she had an issue that kept continually coming out before her. So you could just liken unto if we cleaned it up for a little bit and said she had a sin problem, and you also, you and I who are outside of Christ, if we're outside of Christ, we have a sin problem as well, and there's nothing that we can do uh, to get better, but if we keep trying to do it ourselves, we shall continually grow worse and that's how this man was. He continually got worse. There was a, pr- a progression. This just didn't take place overnight. The decisions that you make in your life will affect you and have horrible consequences later on. The choices that you make. don't squander the, the, the wonderful gift uh, 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 that, that God has given you in your purity and yield it to somebody that's just going to throw it away. Think about that. You, th- you better think about that real good. There's people I hear that, are like, there's people that love this demoniac, and they kept trying to tell him over and over and over and over and over. If you keep going, your life is going to end up like this. Why would you want your life to end up like that when someone has told you over and over to not do that? Isn't it hard? Isn't it hard? And deal with certain situations in life just kind of hard now? I mean, isn't it kind of hard? You kind of feel like Cain sometimes. Now, you're not Cain, but I'm saying you're a vagabond. The earth is not yielding forth her strength, and you're struggling to just make a little bit of extra money, and the earth is not yielding forth fruit her strength, and you're like a vagabond in the earth, and you're going here and you're going there. See, if this man, this Gadarene, would have just listened to those people that were trying to help him, maybe he wouldn't be where he is today. But he had no one to blame but himself. And in salvation, before you come to the Lord, you have to stop blaming everybody else. It's your fault that I'm not here. We heard somebody say that to him about three years ago. It's your fault that I'm not here. It's your fault that I'm not in this church. What man must do is take accountability or responsibility for his own actions. Said It's my fault that I do this. When I wake up every morning, and I have to start in the morning, and right here in our text, always night and day. So night and day. So when I wake up in the morning and I go all the way till night, when I get back to my tomb, because of my lack of self-control, I have to go morning and I have to go night continuously. Now he couldn't blame the other Gadarenes that were in that area. He could only blame himself for the decisions that he made. It's no one else's fault you're going night and day from the tomb. It's no one else's fault. But you're wrong. I had to come to that realization. It's my fault. The circumstances that I'm in are my fault. I'm here because I'm ungodly. Amen. I look like this because I'm wicked. I, I, I look like this because I've defiled myself. It's not your fault or yours or yours. That's not, your, not the inhabitants of Gadara's fault. Now you can try to uh, fill in some scars with the cuts, but they'll always be there. You'll always be there to remind you of who you were before God saved you. I'm not done yet because I want to keep getting into this because it's going to get good. The deceptive progression of sin. I said a minute ago how it continuously got worse. I know, you got, I, know, I know you got people that don't allow you to run wild. You hear me? They want good for you and they're raising you good. Amen? They don't want you to run wild. They don't want you to just run around. They want to have you right. You're going to obey and do what I say, right? Thank God for that. Amen. That's a good thing. That's good. Maybe if this Gadarene would have had something like that, he wouldn't have ended up where he was in life. You better thank God for parents that say they're born again. I'm serious with that. I heard someone not too long ago just spitting on his dad because his dad was a Christian. This is, my life is just so hard. My life is so hard because my dad just won't let me do what I want to do. I said, man, you don't even know what a hard life is like. You don't even know what life is like. You don't know nothing. This Gadarene didn't have that. He wasn't an Israelite. He didn't have the law of God. He didn't have the people of God, the precepts of God teaching him. And I'm not saying every, every person that per- professes to be a Christian is perfect, but hey, that godly influence and in raising, you can still see it. Train up a child in the way he shall go when he's, he's older, he shall not depart from it. You can still see the modification of it today. Might not be perfect, might deal with a lot of issues, but it's intact. Men, that's exactly right. You don't want know why? Because that's at least people who profess Christianity tried to model that the best they could. Some people don't always have that. Let's, be, let's, let's understand that. Okay? Now, the de- deceptive progression of sin. James says, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Amen. I also want to say this. What you look at on a cell phone has a major impact with your influence in life as well. Amen. Our society cares more about a cell phone than they do about God's word. You can stick someone over there with a cell phone for two hours and they'll stay awake playing that. But you hand somebody a Bible and you say, hey, do you want to read how Jesus says you can get to heaven? And they'll be asleep in ten minutes. You better think about that. I'm for real. You ain't going to get to heaven on your daddy's righteousness. Let's, I want you to think about that. I'm appealing to everybody that's in this room this morning. Okay? Because that's who I can help. There might be someone in here that's just outwardly rejecting. I might not be able to help you, but there are people that I can help this morning. Only you know if you're rejecting the message in your heart. Okay? But there are people that I can help here this morning. Okay? All right. So James says, when lust have conceived that bringeth forth sin, things that you look at on your phone are detrimental to your Christian life. You can spend years building up a good testimony. You can give thousands of dollars in, 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 in your service in your work for God. You can preach a hundred messages. You can have sinners coming to the altar. You can do all these good things outwardly. I'm talking about, unless I can see it, bringing forth sin. You can do all, it takes years to build up a credible testimony. Joshua just didn't walk in there. By being unfaithful, and Moses said, Here, I want you to watch them while I go down to the mountain, go up to the mountain. Joshua had to stay there and stay with Moses, and it took time. And it takes time. Joshua just didn't come in there and say, All right, here here I am, Moses, now uh, go up there and just go ahead. No, Moses said, Joshua, you stay here with them. I'm going to go up to the mountain and talk to God. And so, what I'm saying is, it takes years to do that, my brethren, to build up a good testimony. It takes years and years and years to do that. You're cooking for the saints. You're providing a place for them to stay. You're being good to You're praying for them. But it only takes one second with you taking that phone you got in your hand secretly, no one knows it, to look up some nasty, ungodly video on your phone. No one else knows about it. But I'll tell you this, God knows about it. There was a study that A large portion and percentage of Christian men, you understand when they say Christian, they're talking, they just group them all in together, are secretly addicted to pornography. Who knows? This Gadarene might have been that way. Are some of us professing faith and Christianity and Christ and doing those things in secret? You better be careful what you do with your cell phone. I'm a lot smarter than you think I am. Amen. So we're talking about the deceptive progression of sin. He kept going down and down and down and down and down. If you would have talked to this Gadarene, if you would have had a conversation with him, probably Jesus is there, they come to the other side. Now you know on their way there, there was a lot of storms. Now Jesus, I mean the storms were... I mean there was a storm over here, and there was another storm over here. And Jesus, as they're making their way past, Jesus calms the storm and he goes over here to this Gadarene. And he sees him. Now if you and I, let's just say Peter, hypothetically would have went and maybe talked to the... This is a presupposition, but it's, we, you can draw it out of the text. But maybe if Peter would have went and had a conversation with him, maybe. Maybe he would have told Peter before Jesus would have came. Maybe Jesus even knew it. I, I believe the heart of the man's countenance knew it when he fell down and he worshiped Christ. If you would have had a conversation with this Gadarene, he probably would have told you, I'm tired of dwelling in these tombs. I'm tired of being abiding in the place of the dead. Are you tired of dwelling in the tombs this morning? Can you say that? Can you say this morning that I'm tired of dwelling in the tombs of maybe dead religion? I'm tired of dwelling in the tombs of unrighteousness? I'm tired of dwelling in these tombs that don't satisfy? Are you, can you say, or, or, or have you found the Lord Jesus Christ? Has Jesus passed your way? He calmed the storm over there? But I'll get in that here in a minute. But there was a man, there was a time when he saw Jesus, but he also would have said, these devils have destroyed my life. I'm tired of these tombs. And you'll never find the Lord until you get tired of where you're at. Amen. Man. Yes, sir. You'll, you'll come to church every single time. You'll come, to, you'll come service and service and service. Am I the only one who's came here and, and left and not received something? Maybe I'm the only sinful one that's in here right now. But I get tired of coming to church and receiving nothing from God. I get tired of it. I refuse to come to church and and leave here empty handed whenever my God supplies the grace that I can have as his child. I can ask for him. If you ask an egg, if your child asks an egg from you, are you going to give him a stone? How much more shall not your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So as a child of God, I can say, Lord, I need help today. I need help from you today and if you'll help me I don't want to leave the same way that I came I'm tired of dwelling in these tombs maybe he would have said that there's nobody that can help me and he was right there's nobody that can help you outside of Christ That is true it's not judgmental it's not mean it's not angry you should be thankful that someone stands up before you and say you need the Lord Amen. Who are you to say that I need Christ I'm the person delivering you the message you should be thankful that God sends people messengers. It's not judgmental. It's just saying the truth. Right? Man, Paul said, Am I therefore now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Man, I get like that too. They'll get up there and rip face and talk about my sin. I get all puffed up and get all angry. It happens to me too. But as a Christian, my father doesn't want me to act like that. I want to get back to the message. So the deceptive progression of sin. So the end result thereof. So he's bound in these chains. He's bound in the chains of religion. Man doesn't need religion or reformation, he needs regeneration. And Paul said, James said, when lust hath conceived that bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But he read it this morning, Romans chapter number 6, verse number 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see here that this Gadarene, in verse number 5, always night and day, he was crying in the mountains. In verse number 5, let's look back in our text. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Right here in verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, you remember the day when you saw Jesus? Can you say that God's today, before God, before a holy God, can you say with clear conscience that the Holy Ghost has shown you Jesus Christ? He's drawn you unto Himself. There was a day when you saw You saw who you were. You were defiled in Adam. You are ungodly. And there's a Savior that is able to save you. Has God made that real to you in your heart this morning? I can testify that there was a day when I saw Jesus... I am so thankful that when I was in the tombs... See, there was a day when this gathering got delivered. And I want to testify to God's people here this morning that there was a time when I was in the tombs. But I'm thankful that the Master passed by my way and He calmed the storm and there was a tempest sea and a troubled storm over there. And there was a time when I looked off and I said, Who is that that calms the storm? And I'm thankful to God that He came past my way. He passed my way. Has Jesus passed your way? Can you say that the Lord God who can calm the storm has passed your way? Or is this just another church service? It's just another service. But Paul says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How? For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross for you, despising the shame. There was a day when this gathering got delivered. He got delivered by who he was in Adam. He got delivered by who he was. He was in bondage to his sin. Don't you remember what he was like? When he was dead in trespasses and sins? But do you remember how it's been since the day this gathering got delivered? Hadn't it been better? Hasn't he made life better? He made life better. He calmed the storm. I'm so thankful for this day this gathering got delivered. Because when I read this, this means something to me. Listen, this salvation means something to me. I didn't grow up in this stuff. This this means something to me. I got born again. I refused to come to church and I have to come here out of the bondage of religion. Man, I'm so thankful that God would look down on me, a worthless, ungodly sinner, and said, I'll have mercy on him for what Jesus did for him. I'm so thankful for that. For his suffering. There was a day this man saw Jesus. Look in verse number 15. And they come to Jesus. Now he's pulled legion out. I want to testify to you that legion's been pulled out. And they come to Jesus and see him that... Was possessed. So what? Past tense. He was possessed. If you look down in verse number 18, it says he had been possessed. That means past tense. There had been a change in his life. Jesus had did something in him that no man could do. No sentence could do. No course of self-motivation can do. Jesus freed him from the bondage of himself. And until you get born again and you receive what the brother talked about this morning, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you are continually bound by the law of sin and death. Amen. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans chapter number 3, verse number 19, Now whatsoever things the law saith, it, it saith to them, all of us, that are under the law, who aren't in Christ, that the... That, Uh, It says in the underwall that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world might become guilty before God. And until you find yourself guilty before a holy God, you'll never receive what I'm talking to you about this morning. It takes a mighty God to work on your behalf and do something for you that you cannot do. I must continue. But he was possessed. Now look, there was a change. He was possessed now with the devil right here in verse number 15. And he had the legion sitting in cloth. So at first this man was running wild, wasn't he? He was running the streets. Wasn't he running the streets? He's never at home. You remember what it was like when legion wasn't at home? You remember what that was like? You remember what it was like when he wouldn't come home? It was like when we'd stay gone, all the time, never be at home, never be there. You remember what that was like? Remember maybe when you were never home? You remember what that was like when you were constantly going back from tomb to tomb? But the tombs can't satisfy. They can't satisfy. What there was a change in his life, Paul said in 2nd Corinthians, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature.
1: Amen.
0: What does the next part say? As a result of being a new creature, we're talking about the twofold nature of man that he talked about this morning. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that is in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated unto the adoption of children. I'm talking about what we have in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I want to ask ask us all this something. Now, I know the process of regeneration had not taken place yet. I understand all that. I'm very well aware of that. They were not indwelled then. You understand what I'm saying. I'm making practical application for our day. You that profess faith in Christ... Not everybody that puts on a dress is a Christian. Not everybody that says, Jesus, Jesus, is going to enter into heaven. Why call, here, how about this? He says, this, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Do you want to know why Legion didn't go back to cutting... You know, he's never put another cut on himself since he met Jesus. Amen. You know, he's never went back to another tomb... The day that he met, do you know that? You know that Legion, the day that he met Jesus, said that he was clothed at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind? He never went back to the tombs. He never went back to cutting himself. Whenever Saul of Tarsus got saved, did he go back to killing Christians? Now, I'm not saying that people won't sin and sin should be dealt with. But what I am saying is that God is a merciful God. And what I am telling us is that when God saves somebody, he does not let them go back to the to- he's never let me go back to the tombs. I refuse to accept that when someone professes faith in Christ and then comes to me and tells me how hard it is to be a Christian. When God gives us the necessary tools and resources to live in victory, I'm going to live in victory. We sing victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story how the Savior came from glory, how He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And if you'll come today as an ungodly, no good, worthless sinner that you are and repent of who you are in Adam and put your faith and trust in Christ, He'll do the same thing that He's done for me. uh, He'll do the same thing for you that He's done for me. That's so important. I wouldn't trifle around with God. You can see me and I'm nothing. I'm nothing. You can miss me and not, and not miss anything. But if you miss Christ, you'll miss everything. Amen. You can miss me. Listen. Please, just take this in your heart. Okay, I want to come to you with humility. Paul said when I was with you, I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. If you miss Christ... You will wake up in eternal flame. What I'm saying is, he was possessed. There was a new person. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, he was clothed and in his right mind. He never went back to the tomb. Romans said, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So that means legion sins was no match for the grace that Jesus had. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done in life, that God is a merciful and a faithful God to deliver you from whatever bondage that you're in. And I'm so thankful there was a day when He showed me the bondage that I was in. It breaks my heart whenever I see people who profess faith in Christ and leave over and over and don't get anything. It breaks my heart. I'm telling you this morning, He's he's broke all those chains upon me. And I'm so thankful that I can say with clear mind and clear conscience, with pure conscience and undefiled, that I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus and I'm clothed in my right mind. Don't you want that today? Don't you want to be sitting at the feet of Jesus and clothed in your right mind? I'm almost done. I want to say this, I wrote this down and I want to make sure I get it right. That if you truly meet Jesus, there will be a genuine change in your life. That's just, that's just, that's scripture. You can argue with me. We can argue with each other about what this verse might mean. Well, this is what I think, this is what I think, and this is what this verse means. Listen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What does it say? Old things are passed away. I never went back to the tomb when I got delivered. I never went back to Gadara. Matter of fact, you'll see later on here down in the chapter, I went to the capitalist to tell a bunch of people about Jesus. We're right here. There will be obedience to the Scriptures as a result of meeting Christ. And having a fellowship and a relationship and a connection with Him, you have obedience to the Scriptures. That means God's Word means something to you. Amen. Little children, I write to you. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. It matters to you. Having communion with my God matters to me. So what, I'm saying, what am I saying? There was a day this gathering got delivered, but after that, he was told to go tell others. Look in verse number 19. I haven't preached like this in a long time. Verse number 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends. Amen. So he wasn't at his home. Then I said earlier, he was never there. Isn't it wonderful that he's home now? Yeah. He's always there, isn't he? Yeah, no matter what, he's always there all the time. Isn't that good? See what Jesus can do for somebody. He can make it where he's always there. He said, Go home to thy friends. Amen. Go home. Stay where you're supposed to be at. Stay home. Stay where God tells you to be. He said, go home to thy friends. And you tell them what I have done for you. Tell them the great things the Lord has done. He was a witness. That means that he was a witness. A witness can tell and testify to people things, y'all. Listen, we've got something. That's why evangelism should be so prominent in our lives. A lot of times we sit on pews defeated when Jesus has done something for us. Whenever Jesus, whenever Jesus delivered this demoniac, you know what he did? He said he, he went to Decapolis and he started telling everybody, hey, there's this man. He went to, all, I believe first, he went to all his friends and all his friends rejected him. He went to all his friends and said, hey, hey, there was a man named Jesus and he delivered me from my sins. I was in chains. I was in bondage. And I want to just tell everyone that's here that he delivered me from my sin. His friends probably laughed and mocked him to scorn. What do you mean? Who is Jesus? Who is this? He delivered you. Well, they knew that something had happened because they wanted whenever they finally came and heard his testimony, they prayed him that he would depart out of their coast. He said, We gotta get this guy out of here because if he's got he's got mighty power, he's able to do something with Legion. I'm almost done. I've got liberty though. <clears throat> a witness is a person who knows or sees anything that has a testimony or attestation of a fact. That means they know something. This man met Jesus. Y'all, everybody does not meet Jesus. Everybody does not come in contact with God. I know He lighteth every man that cometh into the world, John 1.1, 1, 1, and I agree with that. I know when He is lifted up, He will draw men unto me, and I agree with that. But not everybody is convicted by God's Holy Spirit in the same exact way. If that's the case, when God's Spirit would come in here and sinners come forward, why don't five or six come forward and get saved? Why does one person get saved every three years? We don't have no power of God. We're bankrupt with God's power. And I look at that and I say, Lord, forgive me for my wicked heart that I come in your services. And I'm not passionate for your word. I'm not passionate for prayer. I just got to do it. I want to get back on this. See, after he got delivered, he was told to go tell others. Philip, whenever Philip met Christ, he said, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. And that was a big deal for a Jew to confess that, Hey, this is whom the law and the prophets did write about, Jesus of Nazareth. Hey, this is who God's been talking about for all these years. And he's here. Whenever that woman at the well got saved, what does she say? Now, and I understand you don't cut my head off about dispensational truth. When she got saved and she met Jesus at the well, she said, Come see a man which told me all things ever, not, ever not I did. Is not this the Christ? They had a desire to tell Jesus, Whenever I got saved, everybody doesn't have the same desires to do the same thing. I'm not, I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. When I got saved, I could not help it. I had to tell others about what Jesus did for me. Perhaps maybe whenever this gathering got saved, he went down to the arts festivals that was in the city. He didn't really know nothing. He didn't know no doctrine. He didn't know about Paul's writings. He didn't know about that. But he took what he knew to the public sector. He took what he knew about Christ and went out in the public. And he told other people about Jesus. There was a day this Gathering got delivered. One more thing, and then I'm through. Two more things. I want to say this that this Scattering was a lawbreaker. You and I are lawbreakers. You are, if you'll accept the terms of God's condemnation, salvation is not difficult. If you accept the gospel terms that you are condemned sinner and Adam, you are worthy of God's wrath, you acknowledge what God says about you is true, you take sides with yourself against you and side with God, you turn from who you are and you turn to who He is. That's repentance. Repentance is not stopping playing on my cell phone or stopping this or I got to stop this or I got to stop smoking this, I got to stop drinking this, I got to ch- stop chewing this, I got to stop do all this stuff, I got to stop doing... That's not salvation. When Jesus gets on the inside, you might have those thoughts, but those thoughts will not drive you to do them. There's a difference between someone who's saved, big difference between someone who's saved and has those thoughts... And a person who is unregenerate, that professes faith in Christ, they do not have the power in them to resist it. Eventually they will fall back into it. And how horrible it is to profess faith in Christ and just not come to the realization that maybe I am lost. This Gadarene was a lawbreaker. He was cut himself. Deuteronomy chapter number 14, verse number 1. The law said, you shall not cut yourself. A sinner will not come to Christ unless they see that he has a need. A sinner, you will never come to Christ unless you see you have a need. The leper came to Christ. Why? Because he had a need. He had leprosy. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The woman that had the issue of blood, she came to Christ. She was a lawbreaker. Why? She had a need. And I want to say that Legion was a lawbreaker too. Cutting himself, stones, everything. He'll be scarred for these scars for the rest of his life. He doesn't need an old, a new body because he's old. He needs a new body because he's cut up. He's scarred. He's, he's, he's ruined his flesh. But we're sinning about him, grace to much more about him. Um, one more thing, and then I promise I'm done. He was a lawbreaker. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but Jesus gave him a peace that the world couldn't give. Amen. He said, by peace give I you, not as the world giveth, give I. The peace of God which passeth all understanding. Romans chapter number 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. The condemnation has been removed. There's a peace that we have with God that we did not have before. Ephesians says, remember in time past, you were Gentiles in the flesh, you were without Christ, being aliens from the covenants of God, strangers from the covenants of God. You didn't have any peace as Gentiles. Well, there, there wasn't a covenant made for us. Amen. This is still in the old covenant when Jesus does this mighty work for this man. By the way, the church has not replaced Israel. Amen. The new covenant was made with Israel. We're just grafted in. So, what I'm saying is, Ephesians says that he is our peace. Brother, I got peace. Isn't it good to have peace? That when you do go through a storm, you're on a storm, and you're on a ship, and and you really don't know what's going to happen, you're you're worried about it, and there's this internal battle where you're you're you want to stay faithful to God, but there's a part in you that's questioning, like why I I just started, I just started, this is my I just started my Christian life. What do you mean that this is this is already happening to me, and I just started? But then it was just. The master, calming the storm. Maybe it was just to see how you'd respond. And when we respond in times of storm, it's how we respond that builds our character. If I respond in a time of a storm inappropriately, I do not learn from that storm. I do not build character from that storm. It's all about how you respond in the storm. Lord, I, I know there's a storm. There's nothing I can do. You're on, if you'll just stay on the ship with me, you're inside of me. We both got it together. And so if you're inside of me, and this is inside of me, we're both inside, so we'll just both go through it together. I'm thankful that we have a high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now I'm done. So Jesus gave him a peace that the world could not deliver. There was a day this gathering got delivered. Can you, t- can you say that today? Is there anybody here... That can say that of a surety. I'm not talking about mechanicalistic routine. We just raise our hands for Jesus and say it's good for other people to hear what God's doing in your life. But doesn't, doesn't it kind of wonder? You're like, man, I never really give a testimony. I never. Maybe you, you can't give what Jesus hasn't provided. Maybe that's. I know that's a stinger and that, that might be kind of hard. But you can't give what Christ hasn't given you. you. You cannot do it. A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Maybe the reason why you can't stand up and testify, I'm so glad that God saved me, is because you've never been born again yourself. Why does why don't today be the day? Surrender who you are before a holy God. Surrender who you are. Turn on your false profession and turn unto the God that I declare unto you at this very moment. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There was a day when this gathering got delivered. Will this be the day that you get delivered from the bondage of your sin? Let us have a song. <laughs> Yield your heart to the Lord. There was a day this gathering got delivered, and I testify to you that are sitting here today that you can be delivered. Jesus died for your sins. He buried. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. That is the gospel. Open your heart to the Lord. Maybe today might be the day for you, sinner.